Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row, a podcast like no other, different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Welcome to Notes from the Back Row, the official podcast of Back-Row.com, champions of unsung and underrated cinema. This is Cream of the Crud. It is where Carlo and I talk about what we've been watching, news of notable releases, movies we've screened through the Crud Buddies, and much more. It's a potpourri of podcasting for the cinematically deranged. My name is, as always, Dan Gorman. And I am here with Carlo, who's muted. Can you unmute yourself? Hold on. There you oh, go. Not that. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Live podcasting. It was again. because I muted you, and then it doesn't let me unmute you. Oh, did you mute me? Why? Was I making noise? No, just in case something happened oh, okay. while the then intro don't was Don't do playing. that again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I couldn't unmute you. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Like, you can only do it one way. But yeah. now we know, I guess. <laughs> How's it going, eh? Yeah, pretty good, eh? Um, how is it going? Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm sort of done watching uh, horror movies because yes. it's now November. And um, I felt like I was never, like, normally, like, each year I get to about 100 horror movies spread over, like, half of September, entirety of October, and maybe, like, the first couple of days of November. Mm. Uh, I go pretty hard at it. Um and this year, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to make that, but I ended up making it after all. Uh, like that final stretch of just re-watching a bunch of like comfort stuff and uh, re-evaluating a couple of horror movies I thought I didn't like really gave me like a new wind. Uh, and I ended at like 107-ish, I feel. Jesus. Yeah, but that that's not abnormal for me. <laughs> if you go back yeah. to, if you check my letterbox, I have like Halloween lists. Uh, it's always around that like that's not even the most i've ever done uh mm. i feel like last year i might have done like 130 but i did start like even earlier um that year but yeah in the end it all worked out and i watched a shitload of horror movies and now i'm done <laughs> yeah and, and i'm back to watching like more like classic uh hollywood cinema and stuff uh the, nice. the stuff i was watching before yeah i think uh, i hit like my list is at 56, mm-hmm. and that was like September and October. Mm-hmm. There might be a couple missing from yeah, that. Yeah, but you went on a vacation too, didn't you? I also went on a vacation, yeah. Yeah. Totally. But right. I also did that thing that I always do where like, I started in September, and then, and then by like early October, I hit a lull where I was like, <laughs> okay. And then and then the yeah. last like two weeks, I was like, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. Especially like the vacation. Like, uh, I don't yeah. know, if you go somewhere, there's, yeah. Uh, yeah, go away for a week and don't watch a single thing. You're not going to go there to watch movies. Like you might yeah. catch one or two, but um, yeah, you can yeah. always tell like uh, 
when I look at my own letterbox stats, I can always tell, okay, here's a lull. So that's, oh yeah, that's when I went to Toronto or, uh, <laughs> or did this or there's always something. <laughs> yeah. And I said to you today on discord, like, oh, I've only watched, you know, like eight or nine, you know, eight, eight movies in 11 days or something like yeah, that. And yeah, I was yeah. like, and that feels like I haven't watched anything. And then <laughs> but that, that, that's that, actually quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like depends who you are, you know, like for us, that's uh, kind of yeah. slow ish. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, again, like being able to see your leather box uh, stats, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Uh, yeah. A, a blessing in the sense that you can, perfectly see what you've been watching but you also get confronted with your your habits <laughs> yeah. and here's how many hours you've spent doing yeah this. yeah exactly <laughs> uh like i don't regret them but it's it's kind of like a reality check yeah uh, absolutely but yeah you can also see like your average stats per week and this year i'm like the average for me is like 10 movies ish a week yeah um so 10 in seven days so eight in 11 days that's a bit slowish yeah not, yeah. not not just not crazily so, but yeah, a little. Looks like my average is seven point nine per week. That's a pretty healthy. Uh, yeah, pretty uh, healthy. Yeah, I. Yeah. Early early in the year, I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe a little burnt out, and I was like, I'm, I'm gonna take take things slow and try to stick to one movie a day, kind of average. But yeah. Then yeah. Uh, especially especially october kind of fuck with that yeah it's just so funny because i i've had conversations with people at my job where i'm like mm -hmm. you know like you know i'll watch a movie a day kind of and they're like what the fuck <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh i don't know it's it, once you're in the letterboxed rabbit hole it, i know it, it and also you know the sites that we have access to the fine movies mm, exactly which, which aren't the we're not like average movie watchers we're no, really exactly. in deep uh, in the rabbit hole of watching <laughs> and especially because it's become so easy to find stuff um and also we've like just by using leatherbox you like broaden your scope of cinema and i don't know the, the intake just like multiplies and multiplies and uh, like one year I'm like all in on Hong Kong cinema. I'm just binge mm -hmm. watching that. And then the next uh, year I'm more focusing on Japanese cinema. And this year I'm focusing more on classic Hollywood cinema. Stanwick. Yeah, Stanwick. <laughs> and I've uh, been watching a lot of Cary Grant movies uh, last couple of days as well. Um, all good stuff. And it's not that because I'm not watching Hong Kong movies now anymore that I don't love them anymore. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know, I'm I'm trying to sample every uh aspect of cinema to that appeals to me like i try everything out and then i find a niche and then i go like really yeah. deep into it and then you know at one point there'll be another like hong kong phase i'm sure uh but the, the pool of stuff i can pick from is, has become so large now that i'm like i'm never gonna run out of movies to watch <laughs> uh which that's comforting but also like you always get this sense looking at your watch list or whatever mm -hmm. at, at my like Plex library or back library. I'm like, uh, I, I kind of just want to clear it. You yeah. Know? Maybe it's this like, because we both play video games and I especially like, I guess I play them differently than you, but I'm always like, I want to finish video games. I want to like yeah. clear as much as I can. I'm not like a hundred percenter, but still there's this like 
gamified aspect to it like oh i want to clear my watch list yeah but, but i don't think that'll i i know that will never happen i know movies and yeah I, i've just kind of taken like i've come to terms with that yeah i've i've played with the idea of trying to find a trying to make a show or trying to do things over the years of mm -hmm. like like when i was doing my old podcast see you next wednesday yeah you know part of when I was doing that sometimes in the back of my head, I would, I would think like if, the, if I don't do this show anymore, yeah, like I'm really going to lean into my watch list because th uh -huh. that show, you know, I had to see a, a new movie every week to kind of keep up. <laughs> and yeah. so it, that's obviously that's only one show a week, but we were watching other new movies and stuff too. And, and yeah, I was kind of like one day I'm just going to say like no more movies until I watch the like 2000 movies in my watch list, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. which would probably to be completely honest, only take me a couple of years. I or like like only like a couple of years, <laughs> a few, it would probably take like five years or something. But then you would have to stop adding stuff to your watch list as well. Yeah, like you have, well, you have I, to be like full stop. I'm just leaving yeah. the Internet and just whatever I have. I'm going to finish that first. <laughs> yeah. And so I have that uh, on the letterboxed year thing. There's a breakdown. It says like this year I watched mm -hmm. 171 movies on my watch list. Oh, uh, yeah. But I added 290. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like one step forward, two steps yeah. back kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really use my watch list, but I like I've said this before on previous episodes. I, I more like use my complex uh library yeah. as a watch list uh to gauge like the things i want to watch um yeah yeah that's yeah. a whole other beast for me of things that i have available to me that i'm like yeah i won't watch it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah same like there's there's movies i have on the on the hard drive i've had them there for years and who knows yeah like Maybe never. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Blu-rays I've purchased and not watched yet. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, I do that less. I feel like my physical collection, it's like 90% stuff I've watched. I'm pretty yeah. sure-ish. Yeah, That's good. That's a good percent. Yeah. Also, because I kind of, I haven't stopped buying, but I, I'm, I've become like very selective about what yep. I buy. Um, so less blind buys. Uh, that sort of keeps it in check <laughs> as well, you know. Um, yeah. Not that I'm not tempted, but, you know. We'll, we'll get to a, a blind buy later on this episode. Okay, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but speaking of broadening horizons, you can go to credbuddies.club, join us on the Discord. You can also find us doing screenings every Sunday, which will maybe broaden your horizons, should you show up and watch movies with us mm, um, movies not unlike one that was called the house that would not die from 1970 which was a movie that we watched recently a stanwick joint yeah 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 i, uh, I pro programmed in some stanwick and then turned out that i couldn't even be at the screening but i'd watched the movie already like a little beforehand uh like before i had to leave the house uh but yeah, then all of you watched it and uh, I programmed this one in because it's a Barbara Stanwyck, John Llewellyn Moxie directed yeah. collaboration. And I, a couple of weeks before I had seen another one called A Taste of Evil, which I really, really liked. Uh, so I was like, okay, this one's on YouTube. Um, let's program that in. Uh, 
But yeah, uh, I, I saw that most people were kind of lukewarm on it. And I, I have to admit as well, like it's definitely not as strong as the other one. Um, it's a little, well, it's a TV movie, so it's going to be tame. But yeah, I don't know. Tell me what you thought about yeah, it. Yeah, so this was a, an example of a movie that I watched and I didn't log. Well, mm -hmm. I logged, but I didn't review because I didn't really have too much to say about it. But I see that. <laughs> I mean... I thought it was like like a TV movie. I thought many of TV Definitely. movies. I it was kind of comfy. It was yeah, yeah, that that, that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Comfy. It was like a dusty, you know, seventies movie about witchcraft and, um, you know, in Amish territory. Mm -hmm. And so it was it had this kind of like dusty seventies bookshelf uh, kind of vibe. And and for I sure. kind of got along just on that kind of wavelength alone. I, if, if you pressed me, I could not tell you what, what was going like, what, how it ended, you know, uh -huh. like I remember there was a lot of wind, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like, I won't spoil what happened. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like, I don't know. My review was like, this is like, what if evil Dead was made for TV by like, uh, Aaron spelling. Yeah. And, obviously there's no gore and no effects unless you count wind <laughs> yeah and that's it and there's like a secret in the basement kind of deal and yeah uh yeah it was okay uh, not not more than that i feel um, yeah i i would definitely tell like somebody that likes 70s made for television movies i'd say like yeah put it lower on your list but like get to it someday it's perfectly watchable <laughs> yeah yeah definitely like if, if you're into 70s tvs uh tv yeah. movies there's uh yeah, it's sort of like mid-tier from what I've seen so yeah. far. I've definitely seen better. I've definitely seen worse. So why not? Yeah, it's a real three-star. Yeah, yeah, three. If I did half stars, might have been like two and a half-ish. Yeah. But yeah, uh, around that <laughs> rating. -ish. Yeah. Um, so don't forget crudbuddies.club. We got screenings coming up. Uh, we have one in November on the 21st, Sunday, November 21st. We're going to watch a movie of my choosing for, uh, for your birthday, <laughs> for my birthday. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not like I was trying to think like, I'm going to pick this. I got, it has to be the perfect Dan movie, you know, or <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to build it up too much. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, uh, what did, what did you pick? What did you end up picking? So, so what I ended up picking, um, was a film directed by Bo Bridges. Oh, okay. Um, and it's called seven hours to judgment. And it's funny to me because Bo Bridges is like uber Christian, um and okay. <laughs> he if he's in a movie and it requires him to say uh like goddamn or something he'll be like you i will not be in this movie unless you cut this <laughs> oh really oh yeah, i didn't yeah. know about that <laughs> is it like uh oh fuck did you ever see that uh that video of uh steven tobolowski talking about uh working on the glimmer man with steven seagal uh, no really oh my god i have to or i might have i don't know i can't remember oh fuck if you haven't you have to you might have like, sent it to me i'm like sure. everyone listening to this go check out like steven tobolowski uh glimmer man steven seagal on youtube that video is on there it's like a <laughs> 10 15 minute ish uh interview with steven tobolowski talking about like his experience um experiencing steven seagal basically uh <laughs> basically talking about how the director one day came to Stephen Tobolowski's trailer and he was like, uh, yeah, um, so Steven Seagal has had a revelation 
um, he's decided he doesn't want to uh, be portrayed in movies as killing anyone anymore. And it was just before they were about to shoot the scene where Steven Seagal's character kills Steven Tobolowsky, which is a crucial scene in that movie. Mm. Uh, it's an entire thing. It's it's supremely entertaining, and the way Tobolowsky exp- um, um, tells the story as well, uh, it's it's a really good watch, and it it gives nice. a lot of insight into what kind of person Steven Seagal is as well. <laughs> he was like, I don't know, like he's just suddenly turned while they were making that movie. Okay, no more um, violence, murder, killing, whatever. Uh, in 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 a movie like Glimmerman, which. It, it kind of fucked up yeah. the story of that movie to a certain degree. J- just go watch that video. Um, but yeah, it, it reminded me of that. Like someone who uh, will not do a movie if certain yeah. things are in it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the reason why I bring that up about his uh, Bo Bridges' Seven Hours to Judgment, 1988, uh, is just because like the movie's really kind of like trashy. Um, okay. <laughs> and, and so it's one of those movies where there's like there's like a gang involved in the movie. So there's like kind of some dated, you know, gang shit mm-hmm. <laughs> from the 80s. But yeah. it's like about this judge who uh, his wife gets like kidnapped by this like crazed electronic salesman played by Ron Liebman, who like yeah. is like you have until this morning to prove, you know, the, the this gang is guilty of what you said, like because he he basically let this guy down in court. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this guy's like, I'm going to kidnap your wife. And so you is have- it like sort of like a techno Cape fear situation, maybe kind of so, like, well, it's so it's like a run all night kind of movie. Like, Oh, okay. you gotta, you gotta run around the city and figure out how, like, well, who really did it? Oh, so that so you can clear like, my name or I'll kill your wife. Okay. So sort of like die hard with a vengeance meets yeah kind of thing yeah <laughs> meets like a legal thriller and then meets oh my god some weird technology stuff in the finale so <laughs> i love a movie that meets a lot you yeah know, it's all kinds of bullshit tr- yeah it's, together <laughs> it's very silly um okay. and i remember enjoying it so hopefully hopefully it plays well cool yeah <laughs> i've had this on my radar since uh, i don't know did we talk about this one on the previous cream of the crowd like a couple of months ago or may- something did we i guess i probably I, did talk about it i vaguely remember this movie but i don't know if it was just like just us talking or on a podcast but it's, it's possible it, it was on a podcast but yeah it, it came on my radar then and uh yeah i'm looking forward to to, to watching that yeah uh, it'll be fun it has that like widescreen canon films nice. but but big but like mainstream style like pseudo exploitation okay. like big budget pseudo exploitation kind of vibes cool. what year <laughs> yeah. is it from like 88 88 oh that's, yeah. that's a perfect movie year yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> nice awesome so yeah credbuddies.club check it out join us to watch movies the the you know our schedules up there sweet um, now we're going to talk about some things that people have asked us on the internet in our in our calls from the public. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so through uh, our Discord server. There is a channel in there for questions. I'll also tweet out usually a couple days before our recording if anybody wants to ask us some questions. Uh, but the Discord is the place to be. Um, yeah, so we got a couple questions here for this episode from, uh, user Rudaldal 
do you have any favorite trash auteurs, your Albert Pions, so to speak, and what draws you to them in particular? Mm. Um, so, you know, Albert Pion is a little bit of like a running joke in the discord. Not, not a joke, but like we just, <laughs> we just reference. He's not a joke. <laughs> not a joke. We reference, we, we always reference, you know, like Albert Pion hive rise up, you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> we yeah, all totally. love his movies. So yeah, I'm a fan for sure. My, my, uh, my brain went to a place that I feel like you probably could have seen coming, <laughs> but I, I was thinking of both Avi Nesher and John Ayers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, John Ayers, definitely. That's a, that's a very Dan Gorman pick. That's yeah. a Dan Gorman special. Uh-huh. And these are, these are two directors that like, I just sort of all of a sudden decided like, I'm going to watch their movies cause I enjoyed one or two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Avi Nesher, I saw a doppelganger and she, and then was like, well, I guess I should also watch, you know, Ritual and Mercenary and a couple others. <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't gone that deep. Like, I know we streamed for Crud Buddies, uh, She Savage. and Savage. And She, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and those are both really good. I love those. Yeah, great movies. And Doppelganger yeah, and I, love- I have seen as well, and that's also yeah. a good movie, so. Yeah, and then with John Ayers, it was when we did the Project Shadow Chaser franchise frenzy, and I ended up loving all three John Ayers mm-hmm. Shadow Chasers, so then I was like, well, I got to watch uh, Octopus and Ripper and Monolith and Judge Jury, <laughs> Judge and Jury. <laughs> and so, you know, I've seen seven of their 11 movies. And I think nice. both Avi Nesher and John Ayers are just um, they're kind of unassuming because no, their, their movies aren't necessarily like like of a piece. They're all kind of wildly different. Yeah. But but they're the kind of people that I find like just follow they're kind of like genre compass where mm-hmm. especially John Ayers where it's like, okay, project shadow chaser. This is going to be like a techno diehard. And then like night siege project Shadow chaser two. This is going to be like a DTV action movie. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, now shadow chaser three is a, like a horror movie in space, you know, or like <laughs> it, it's like every one of, of John Ayers movies is like, I'm going to focus in on the type of movie this is and find out how to have fun within that like mm-hmm. specific world. And I think, Avi Nesher does the same thing. Like Doppelganger is a wildly different movie than she, mm-hmm. but both of them are like, they, I'm going to pick what I am. And in Doppelganger's case is like an erotic horror movie thriller. Mm-hmm. And she is like a weird, like sword and sandals, post-apocalyptic thing. Really weird one. Yeah. But uh, both of those movies are weird it, within the like confines of those like kind of boilerplate genres yeah yeah yeah. they're they're (laughs) not found in there's so much going on there it's yeah uh, yeah so that's kind of why my brain always goes to them as like people that are a little under the radar of like they Mm. they find a way to have some weird fun in these movies yeah it's interesting like especially john ayers with those project project uh shadow chaser movies that for each one he sort of did his own thing without i don't know i guess there's not like a huge fan base demanding exactly the same type (laughs) of movie uh, you know, yeah. uh, the kind of thing that happened with Halloween, they made Halloween three. And then after that, people were mad and they wanted Michael Myers back. Like they, <laughs> did, they didn't have that, um, freedom to experiment. Yeah. And it's cool that John Ayers managed to do that with those shadow, shadow chaser movies. Um, totally. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Auteurs, you, trash auteurs. I mean, there's so many really, this is like a question that's like right up my alley. I, I love <laughs> trash cinema and, uh, I said in the Discord, like, uh, my easy answer would be like Fred Olin Ray, but I won't, I promised yeah. I, I wouldn't say Fred Olin Ray. <laughs> I, I think outside the box, but, um, 
also the thing with Fred Olin Ray, like more than an auteur, he's like he's he's like just a movie man, you know. Mm. Like I don't know if, if like Albert Pune, he's someone who had a had a vision about what he wanted from movies. Uh, especially at a certain point, he was just like, these just have to be made as quickly as possible. And I turn them out and almost more like a pro producer than a director, yeah. I feel. Um, even though, like, I always say I love Fred Olin Ray movies, but like, uh, I'm not going to say he has a lot of great movies. There's just a certain <laughs> like goofy vibe that I find irresistible to his movies, even when they're kind of duds, you know, stuff like, uh, I don't know, Mob Boss <laughs> with Eddie Deason. Yeah, uh, that is not a good movie, but there's <laughs> something about it. And I'm like, eh, my boss, I can't be mad at it, <laughs> even if it's yeah. like kind of kind of a piece of shit. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's also others. We've mentioned them before in previous episodes, like William Castle. It's sort mm -hmm. of like the a, a, a B movie Hitchcock of his era, uh, a showman. Um, we've also talked about Noboru Iguchi movies, uh, many a times why I like those movies. Uh, so I don't need to get into those again. Um, I also, uh, love Rudy Ray Moore, even though like he didn't direct, uh, all of his own movies. They were all like Rudy Ray Moore productions and he's, he was like the creative, uh, driving force behind those and yeah. ended up being like one of the most unique voices in black exploitation. I feel, um, You've also got people like Bruno Mattei, uh, who's like the ultimate Italian, like shameless ripoff artist who, who just kept trying to remake Predator or, or Aliens or Jaws or yeah. anything really. Uh, I love that a lot. Um, it's Larry Cohen, who's like uh, Hell yeah. a, a real take no bullshit New York kind of creator who made this mix of B movies and satire and actually managed to pull it off somehow. Um, and then, and then I, I, this is like maybe a weird one to say, but I, I really like, um, seeing Sylvester Stallone as a trash auteur, <laughs> like it's mainstream cinema. So it's like not considered trash by a lot of people, like not in the, in the, in the sense of B movie trash, but there's definitely like a vulgar, vulgar auteur quality yeah. to everything. Stallone has been involved with that I like a lot. Um, even if he didn't direct or like stuff he's been in. Uh, yeah, directing, I like that writing. period of of weird, like, you know, given the keys to the kingdom. So yeah, yeah, after yeah. Rocky. <laughs> yeah, like stuff like Tango and Cash and Cobra and uh, or even like uh, stuff like Rhinestone and um, well, I haven't seen Stop or My Mom will shoot in a long time, but just the fact <laughs> just the fact that he did that movie in that era, that everyone was so like Stallone high and no one said no to the guy. It's uh mm -hmm. it's it's interesting. Like uh Paradise Alley. <laughs> I've not I've actually never seen Paradise Alley, which yeah, yeah I should fix it. It's a that. movie. Is it a movie? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> High <laughs> praise from Dan Gorman about yeah. Paradise Alley. Um yeah, th that's about it. I feel like the ones that come to mind. Oh, th there's honestly there's more, but I've already named too many. I feel nice. Um, yeah, that's about uh, it. Well, we got a question uh, from Raise Time in the Slack. Uh, what is a slow cinema, and should I be afraid of it? And <laughs> this was in reference to slow cinema. You know, uh, movies that emphasize long takes and mm. slow okay. observational narratives, very like uh, not a lot of, of incident. And it's so a show movies. about nothing. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so movies that I saw on the Wikipedia that I've seen are like, you know, Solaris or mm-hmm, Gus okay. Van Sant's uh, Elephant. Mm. Uh, Art House. Kind of. Yeah, the White Ribbon. Um, but I just thought maybe it would be a good jumping off point for us to talk about maybe like <laughs> like like character based stuff or stuff that's like slow. That's more just like like because a lot of times, even with these like weird um, movies, they get unearthed. Mm-hmm. You know, they end up being these weird like if you look at things yeah. like that's a fucking weird hangout movie. You know, yeah. lots of stuff happens in it, but it is just a lot of just two dudes sitting around being hosers. <laughs> I do love the idea of just things is slow cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do really like that idea. But yeah, in, in, in terms of like SOV movies, especially uh, looking at things as sort of like slow cinema art house, it almost makes sense to me. I, I, yeah. I, I, can, I can see that angle uh, more than, yeah, I don't know. SOV yeah. cinema, SOV cinema is like on a, on a, on a different level. Like, uh, yes. Um, oh, what's the one called? Alien Beasts or something? Like Carl J. Oh, yeah, movie. Yeah. I've never seen it, but uh, I have seen parts about that movie, and that, that's definitely slow cinema. Yeah. Um, there, there was definitely a point in my life where I raged against this kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. when I was in college, I was very like, whatever, this fucking movie where nothing happens or whatever. Um, but later in life, I really embraced it when I saw stuff like uh, Wendy and Lucy in 2008, which mm. is like this movie with Michelle Williams where she's just trying to find her dog the whole movie. And it's just so like heartbreaking and beautiful and such mm-hmm. an amazing film. And and so much like when I was younger, I thought like it's not saying anything. And then I grew <laughs> up and I was kind of like, it's saying everything. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could say so much with so little. So, yeah, I, I was thinking about this question as well and i i don't know if hollywood or like you know like uh, north american cinema or whatever uh has always embraced that kind of filmmaking like definitely more now than it used to be uh but part of me can't help but think that's kind of like a foreign cinema influence maybe um Mm. yeah i just I, i was just kind of struggling to think of like early examples of slow cinema in hollywood like the earliest examples that i know of that i enjoy myself is all like Japanese cinema. Uh, yeah. To be honest, like Yasujiro Ozu, uh, that kind of thing, like lots of examples there that people tend to think of as boring. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, more than it being boring. It's just like, they have a really keen sense of uh, focusing on the fleetingness of yeah. things, which is why it might seem boring. But like you say, um they're not saying nothing they're saying everything yeah if you can just attune to that uh but yeah like maybe these just these kind of movies like they test certain people's attention spans too much and i get it like it doesn't always work for me either Mm -hmm. definitely not but if if what i'm looking at or listening to is is aesthetically pleasing to me that's already like i'm already being very forgiven uh forgiven um yeah, I, I think in the like in the 70s, there was like the new Hollywood auteur mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. I feel like some of those movies skirted into the territory of being like so hyper character focused that the incident took a back. Yeah, you know, but but it was probably more when like somebody like Jim Jarmusch started doing mm-hmm. their stuff, you know, yeah. that kind of yeah. like 
New York, like yeah, and you like know. someone like Jarmusch is definitely inspired by, uh, like yeah, at least like French cinema for sure. Ab- oh yeah, French cinema for sure. Big time. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So. I, I'm no expert on it, but no, same. But like, like I said, like in terms of Japanese cinema, I'm a bit more of an expert on that kind of cinema. Uh, but also, like I said, it doesn't necessarily always work for me. Like I know a lot yeah. of people who are fans of Takeshi Kirano, and I've never been able to fully find that click with his movies yet. Like I see the appeal, but I'm always like this. This to me sort of lands on the end of this isn't really about anything. But then mm. some movies, I do almost feel like. No, this is about everything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a it's a hard thing to pull off, and yeah, it's it's, it's also very uh, subjective. I feel so. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and then one more two-parter question from uh, Jammerlick: Favorite boutique media publisher and mm. favorite off-kilter holiday movies. Um, okay. Yeah, for me, with the media and the um distributors and stuff like i'm pretty basic i go where <laughs> the the movies are and the weird shit is and so yeah, like yeah. obviously vinegar syndrome we talk about all the time yeah you know yeah. uh i i kind of just look at like who's releasing the stuff that i want it's always mm-hmm. you know vinegar syndrome severin 88 uh fucking uh arrow arrow mm-hmm. yeah and that um, kind of thing uh, what's the thing you got boarding house what's that agfa and bleeding oh, skull yeah agfa and bleeding skull is is i'm i'm very like whatever they put out i'm probably gonna want to see <laughs> nice yeah that's a cool um, cool i like their covers as well and their logos and everything yeah. looks really nice and they're always yeah. picking stuff that no one else is so and then obviously like smaller stuff like the mm. the boutique boutique labels like gold ninja video oh and yeah the, black uh videos of the world nice like i like what that what's going on there i feel like i need to pay more attention to like the the lower rent not low rent but like the like more under the radar Mm -hmm. kinds of distributor people that aren't the you know vinegar syndrome can put stuff out and i'm probably gonna want to buy it but there's there's probably lots of people out there releasing interesting stuff like uh like low run vhs Mm -hmm. releases and stuff like could pay more more attention to that probably but <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know i feel like we're pretty in the loop in terms of that kind of thing like if something like that exists it would have gotten mm. like i don't know like re- it'll bubble up retweeted or popped up in an instagram story that kind of thing um yeah. especially like knowing the the movie melt people as well uh yeah yeah you know um but yeah that's good stuff gold ninja black video uh, it's cool that those people were just like i'm gonna do my own thing yeah and they pulled it off so i think um strange tapes put a, put some stuff out i think they, oh yeah that's they might have put some vhs tapes out i think they put out uh hamburger dad uh <laughs> kevin's <laughs> it's like kevin's movie oh yeah yeah hamburger yeah. Dad. Yeah, yeah yeah that's cool i think they did yeah. <laughs> i think they released like weird stuff like that and that's kind of cool yeah that is cool yeah yeah for yeah, me as but, well you know like the the vinegars and the arrows i have a like i probably have the most arrow stuff because that mm. was for a long time mm. um yeah uk only and uh this is all like pre-brexit so i got a lot of arrow stuff on sale for like i don't know like five euro per blu-ray so i got a lot of stuff i didn't necessarily need but they were like i don't know uh buy five and (laughs) get seven kind of thing (laughs) so uh we went to london as well 
because my sisters were living there. And so, I don't know, like twice or three times a year, we would go to London and I would rate the uh, HMVs and nice. for, for Arrow stuff. So I have a lot of Arrow stuff. Uh, Runner Up would probably be 80, 88 films. Uh, they have a lot of slashers. I feel like they put a, not as many slashers these days and focus more on like, well, maybe a couple like Italian stuff, but a lot of like Hong Kong cinema. Uh, so I have a lot of that. I have yeah. like their, I don't know, like 10, 15 uh, Shaw Brothers Blu-rays uh, from 88. Um, third Window films as well. Uh, they focus like exclusively on Japanese cinema, I feel. There mm-hmm. might be something like Korean or something in there as well, but it's mostly Japanese cinema. Uh, they put out like Legend of Stardust Brothers, uh, which I'm forever grateful that I found out about that movie thanks to them. Um, and there's also, uh, have I mentioned Eureka yet? Cause they do, no. they do, they do cool stuff as well. But I think that's also, again, like a UK exclusive, uh, publisher. Uh, I have like, um, night of the creeps on Blu-ray from them. I have troll, that kind of thing. I have a bunch. Um, and then yeah. in- indicator is actually a really cool publisher as well. That almost, you know, they have probably more uh, of a really great, uh, great like classic cinema selection um, mm-hmm. and quality wise they haven't let me down yet they, I have like those two William Castle box sets uh, that they put out that are really cool they have like a Sam Fuller box set uh, like the Sinbad movies um, Blue Collar I have a Blu-ray from them as well uh, nice so yeah, they have, they have really cool stuff as well. But again, this is like UK only, I feel. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's that's what I know. That's what I can get. So shout out to to those. <laughs> nice. Hmm. Um, and then off kilter holiday movies. So uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the feel bad holiday movie. <laughs> um, okay. You know, I could real I could do a lot of I could say some like you know horror movies or, or, you know, like slashers and stuff. But, but I, I like telling people like watch Prancer 1989, Hmm. John D Hancock and watch one magic Christmas, 1985. These are two fucking bleak (laughs) Christmas movies. Yeah. I've seen Prancer and that, that's not an uplifting movie. (laughs) Like it is, but it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I know know what you mean. Yeah it's like you have to go through so much shit to get to the uplifting part. And yeah. I feel like I, like I love when Christmas movies can get away with that. Like, <laughs> like one, one magic Christmas is about like, um, Mary Steenbergen who plays like this mom and she loses her job. And then her husband gets shot oh, and it's <laughs> just like one thing after another. And then Harry Dean Stanton shows up and he's an angel. And he's nice. like, he basically has to be like, no, life is worth living, even though you have literally the worst fucking luck. <laughs> like, it's so feel bad. Well, it's easy um, to say if you're an angel. Yeah. <laughs> you come down here. <laughs> but it's like, you know, for kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for kids. Yeah. Okay, so sure. I that I, I suggest watching Prancer 89, One mm. Magic Christmas 85, and, and bring the Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are definitely movies that don't uh, come up uh, very yeah. often. Like, everyone has seen, you know. Uh, I don't even need to mention the movies that everyone's seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me as well, like, I have, like, a sort of off-kilter Christmas recommendations list there's it, there's not a lot of downer stuff on there like in general that's not really what i go for 
mm-hmm. uh, downer stuff. But like for I, I do love in terms of like horror movies set at Christmas. I do love uh, the Silent Night, Deadly Night. I want to say movies, but I haven't even seen them all. I've never seen the third one because I heard it's like the worst one. Um, you know me, I go hard for number four. Yeah, you go hard for number four, but that's probably like the least Christmassy one. Yeah, of there's them a all. Christmas tree in the background at one point. <laughs> yeah, and the rest is like, I don't know, Clint Howard and some bucks because it's a Brian yeah. using a movie. So <laughs> love it. Yeah, uh, I'd have to rewatch that one because I wasn't really in the mood when I watched it, even though I love Brian using the movies. Um, but yeah, I, I, I go hard more for the first one and honestly yeah. for the second one as well, even though it's barely a movie. Uh, but I always tell people just watch the second one, just skip, yeah. the, skip the first one because the important stuff of the first one, it's almost all in the second one. Um, and you get a bonus of like uh, the, the actor in the second one, Eric Freeman doing some heavy lifting with his eyebrows. So that's a bonus as well. Just skip the first yeah. one, watch Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. It's barely a movie, but it's, you know, it's if you're into like anti-Christmas vibe horror movies that have some weird shit in it. Uh, yeah, I, I say go for that one. In terms of like stuff that actually uh, gets you in a Christmas mood, in a good mood, in a cozy mood, I say watch like Muppet stuff. Uh, yeah. And I don't even necessarily mean like the, the Muppet Christmas stuff, um, even though like uh, for me, it's Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas the best. Uh, and Muppet Family Christmas. Um, so good. Those two are like my favorite things because it's, it's well, Emmett Otter, like I believe Kermit makes a cameo on that, but it's not necessarily a Muppet movie, but it is a Jim Hansen production through and through. Um, so yeah, that combination of like just Jim Hansen stuff and Christmas, it's just unbeatable. Like, yep. Especially Muppet Family Christmas. You don't know how long um, I'd seen this like probably on BBC in my childhood. And ever since I'd been chasing that movie without knowing which one it was. And back then, I don't know, like I only had IMDb and I didn't know how to find it for some reason. Uh, it was only until Letterboxd, I feel that I finally managed to find out about this made for TV Muppet yeah. Christmas movie. Um, because at one point I had finally, uh, I thought I had finally found it, but it was Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, yeah. And I watched that, waiting for it to turn into Muppet Family Christmas, and that kind of j- and that kind of jaded me on that because I was like, "This is this is not what I was looking for. What, what's the one <laughs> I'm looking for then?" Um, so yeah, for me, I know there's a lot of people who love Muppet uh, Christmas Carol, and I can't say really a bad thing about it, but yeah. for me, it's Muppet Family Christmas. That is the one. Um, it's it's better. It's def. But I like I have a lot of love for for. Muppets Christmas Story, mm-hmm. mostly because it was like I didn't see it as a kid. And then when I started uh, going out with Emma, it was like kind of her childhood thing. And so oh, yeah. okay. I watched it with her. I wish I had started. nostalgia for yeah. Muppets Christmas Carol. So, <laughs> but, so I, I, don't. Enjo- I enjoyed coming to it without the nostalgia and just mm-hmm. it turning into like a thing that we do every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I understand why some people don't go for it. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I, I love I, it wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't dislike it. I'm sure if I put it on in Christmas and like not expecting yeah. it to be uh, this precious childhood yeah. <laughs> movie of mine that I was looking for, I will be much easier on it. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like one thing that, that kind of bugged me always about that movie, like I, I, I like Michael Caine, but in that movie, I'm like, 
oh, I wish this was more about the Muppets, you know? Yeah. Like, I wish, like, the Michael Caine character was a Muppet, but I don't know. I feel like I need to approach that movie with a, di- yeah. with a different kind of I think it's Mindset. the best of those movies. Oh yeah, like, I bet. Where all I bet. where it was like it's Treasure Island, yeah. but every everyone <laughs> they meet is Muppets, and now there's like a whole bunch of people who aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember Treasure Island actually being pretty okay because it has. Like, I don't Tim... like it. No, oh, okay. Because I watched them, I was like, yeah, I like Tim Curry, so yeah, this is fine. It's, yeah, it's fine. I just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's, the, the, it's the definitely one... the worst of that. It's the worst of the like. Hey, this annoying kid is the main character, and you're like, why can't that be a Muppet? <laughs> yeah, but have you seen the space one? No, actually, I haven't. Okay, because that is the worst one. Yeah. Yeah, like no question. Like it's not even close. That one. Oh, I remember watching I'll have it. To see it. I remember watching it, thinking, oh, this is like I don't know tonally in the way the Muppets are like uh, their characters, the way they're written and portrayed in that movie. It's, it feels so far removed from what Jim mm. Henson would do with them. Uh, I, I really did not like it, but, and I was kind of annoyed that I didn't like it because I like Gonzo as a character and it's all about Gonzo and it has this like crazy space angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, just, I don't know, hard no on that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Well then let's uh, get into some News. news. That's uh, you. You wanted to talk about the mm. uh, unfortunate passing yeah. of somebody in a film that yeah. you had watched. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Dean Stockwell uh, passed away on, I believe, was it yesterday? It's November 11th now, so November 10th, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, uh, Dean Stockwell. Uh, what, what is he most known for? Him? I I always knew him as the guy from um from Quantum Leap. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen some Quantum Leap. Uh, like, it's, it's not another show that I ever binge or nothing, but he was always like, uh, I don't know, like he was, yeah, just someone who just stood out. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'd gotten a copy of this movie, um, Hu- Human Highway, uh, yeah. Before I realized it was like the one movie that Dean Stockwell co-directed uh, and starred in and, and like co-wrote uh, with Neil Young. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Hu- Human Highway from 1982. Like I, I, I don't know a ton about Neil Young either. Like I know, uh, I know he's Canadian <laughs> uh, and I know his music sort of. Like I'm definitely not an expert. Um, mm. Yeah, but this movie it, it's it's sort of like a halfway sort of musical ish like it's like not even 50 percent, but like devo is in it as well and there's yeah. like devo songs in it and there's neil young songs in it but less i definitely feel more like there's more devo stuff in there uh to my knowledge at least um but yeah i really like this movie uh so this is about a roadside diner next to a nuclear plant which is about to basically any moment go into meltdown, but it's not even used to give more urgency to the plot or anything. It's more like background flavor. Uh, and it ends up just being about these people who work at the diner where the, the owner just died and now his son owns the place and he hmm. basically wants to torch it for insurance. Uh, and both the son and his dad who passed away are played by Dean Stockwell. Um, 
the cast in general of this movie as well. It's just like uh, you've got like Russ Tam- Tamblin, Dennis Hopper playing two roles, uh, Sally Kirkland, and and Dean Dean Stockwell as well playing two roles, um, and Neil Young in it as well as like basically him and Russ Tamblin. I feel are like the main characters in it. Um, Michelle saw me watching this movie and she was like, what the fuck are you watching? This, <laughs> this, this looks so fucking weird. It's like, it's, she was, she said it's like peewee, but sinister sort of. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty spot on. Uh, it, it, it's weird though. Like this movie, I've never gotten on my radar before. Uh, and yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that no one had pushed it on me before. Like I saw some mutuals on Letterboxd who had given it a, a high rating. Um, so I got a copy and then a couple of days later, after I had gotten a copy, I saw that Dean Stockwell passed away and then I put two and two together and I was like, oh, okay, okay, let's, let's watch Dean Stockwell's one co-directed movie. And yeah, yeah. I, um, cause I'd seen some screenshots as well and it looked like way up my alley and it, and it was, <laughs> uh, just the whole, like, you know, like roadside diner, nuclear, uh, meltdown, toxic waste kind of thing that like texturally and tonally this movie was like super up my alley uh, and they also use like miniatures and it's all very obviously taking place on a set and there's like green screen stuff uh has a very interesting look and very like uh it's from 82 and you can tell um mm. i said in my review this is the kind of movie uh i've tried to watch forbidden zone um danny elfman um matthew yeah. bright uh Forbidden Zone a couple of times, but that, there's something about that movie I find a little bit grating, so I've never been able to watch the entire thing. And then I started watching Human Highway, and I'm like, oh, this is what I want Forbidden Zone to be. This is the movie for me <laughs> that's like, uh, yeah. I know, had you ever, ever heard of this one um, at all? In film school, um, I remember very specifically somebody coming and being like, hey, we're going to go watch this movie, Human Highway. It's like a a Neil Young movie. And I was like too busy to go and watch it with them. But so like I'd I'd heard of it more as a Neil Young adjacent thing Mm -hmm. and as like a like a weird movie that I had just never seen. But yeah, it wasn't really I never got back on my radar in terms of like, I'm going to watch it, Mm. (laughs) you know? Yeah, it's still like pretty... um unwatched on letterboxd i feel it hasn't hit like 1k watches yet even though there's like a a proper restoration and everything just Mm. out there for people to watch and i don't know if like dean stockwell's passing is gonna do a lot in terms of numbers for like i feel like dean stockwell is he's still like a character actor like he's not the huge name that's gonna um yeah get a lot of people to start watching it <laughs> but which yeah. is a shame because i feel like it's it's really worth seeing um like it's it's pretty uneven but like i don't know like based on yeah the stuff i just talked about like the tone and the texture of that movie it was very much for me i i this nice. is like a certain type of movie when i watch it i'm like Oh, this reminds me of like growing up on like weirdo point and click adventure games it's a very specific tone where it's Mm -hmm. like i don't know i guess there's like jokes but jokes aren't like the main focus it's more about the tone of everything everything feels kind of off and very eclectic uh it's those kind of movies that i go really hard for i actually watched another one that sort of reminded me of that like um i don't know that like the first thought that popped up 
uh, inside my head watching it was like, oh, this could be like a point and click adventure game. Uh, this movie called Out There, directed by Sam Irvin, kind of oh, talked yeah. to you about this on Discord. Uh, it's sort of like a alien um, made for Showtime. Came out in 1995, sort of like an alien murder mystery detective kind of movie that everyone sort of forgot existed, uh, which I thought was, yeah, I don't know. Again, just the tone of that thing really carried me through the entire movie, even though it was kind of uneven. Mm. But yeah, uh, Human Highway, I, I definitely recommend checking it out. And again, it's the kind of movie like just put it on. And if in the first 50 minutes you're like, this isn't for me, then yeah, sure. Just <laughs> leave it at that. You will know. I don't know. It's uh, it's not a slow burn or anything, you know. Uh, yeah. Just check it out. Or even check out the trailer. And if, if you see that trailer and you're like, okay, this looks cool, go watch it right away. Yeah. I want to. I do want to see it. So Cool. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to check <laughs> That's it <one>. out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? Let's just use this momentum to go straight into our recommendations corner of the week and start talking about the things that we've been watching. Um, so earlier in the show, we were talking about distribution companies and such and AGFA and, and Bleeding Skull came up <laughs> and and uh, Blind Buys also came up. And so for me this week, you know, I bought the Boarding House 1982 Blu-ray blind by and never seen it always seen like the cover in the vhs and stuff and i was like okay i'm gonna have to watch this because like i've always wanted to see it but mm -hmm. now there's this amazing release right yeah yeah so <laughs> i had no idea that was coming out actually like i've been aware of boarding house for quite a while but um yeah suddenly i see this photo of you buying it i'm like oh was that coming out i had no <laughs> no clue uh <laughs> and did you say you had seen some scenes and stuff of it I feel like I've started watching that movie at one point, but I probably fell asleep and then just okay. didn't rip cries. Uh, so yeah, I've only seen like probably, I don't know, like the first 15, 20 minutes maybe. Yeah. That's my, so, that's sort of like my window in terms of falling asleep. Like okay. by minute 20, I might've fallen asleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the interesting things about this release is uh, boarding house was one of the, if not, if not the, I think it might be the first movie to be shot on video, but then they also, they also made prints of it to, to show theatrically. Hmm. So it was a shot on video movie that was made theatrically, uh, oh, that was screened okay. theatrically. So the Blu-ray, you know, the main, you know, feature presentation version of boarding house on this Blu-ray is a scan of a print, mm -hmm. um, so you get this really bizarre, like textural experience of watching an SOV movie that has been put printed to film and then scanned. So it has all the things that you would expect from a film print, like scratches and scratches and cigarette burns and, you know, the real changes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, it's this unreal uh, experience of like, this is shot on video, but I'm watching the print and the movie itself is weird. So it kind of made this, perfectly bizarre experience to, for watching it for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, that said, I turned on the home video cut afterwards and I was like, oh man, I'll, I kind of wish I'd watched this because it looks so perfectly shot on video with the frame rate, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but I'm still glad that I watched the, the, the film cut. Um, nice. So this, this movie 
you know, when we talk about these weird SOV, you know, movies that have been dug up, there's something so specifically um, unchained about this era of filmmaking <laughs> mm-hmm. where I feel like anybody with any kind of idea and passion could make this very specifically fucked up thing that just follows every whim of like whatever they want Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to make sense but at the same time it is structured in a familiar way yeah so you have this like weird familiar structure of like a horror movie but everything in it is is feels wrong (laughs) (laughs) and and not even wrong in the sense of like bad but like like there's there's stuff in this movie that i thought was really effective okay um like uh like some really effectively creepy and weird things hmm. but at the same time it has that like uncut cocaine feeling to it <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. okay um and so it's like this weird mix of like okay it's a supernatural horror movie but then it's also about this guy who's like got this like 70s new aginess about him and then there's also like somebody with black gloves killing people but then there's also this like video toaster demon thing that shows up on screen. That's like haunting Ooh, everybody. Nice. Um, and it was just really like just fucking weird. And <laughs> there's this whole like wraparound to the story where you at the beginning of the movie, there's like a computer printing out like the history uh-huh. of like this happened. People died at this house. Then somebody bought it. Then they died. Now somebody else has that. bought it. Yeah. yeah. And that, that it's like so weird, but it's like actually really like kind of engrossing in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really like pulls you into the like, like you're finding this like transmission. You're this, yeah. this these like <laughs> yeah. electronic documents you're never even supposed to see. Yeah, weird yeah, dark and web, yeah, <laughs> proto dark yeah. web. <laughs> totally, it's and and they do it again at the end, and it was like really I don't know I huh, cool. I really liked it. I I I gave it five stars on the letterbox. I say like it's maybe a soft five. Like there was definitely parts where I was like, okay, what's going on here. But I think (laughs) overall I cannot deny it. I think it's Mm. like, especially as you know, what people are saying is one of the earliest, you know, SOV it's, it's right there with like the starting of, of SOV Mm -hmm. horror. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can't recommend this package enough with the vinegar, with the, the Agfa bleeding skulls, vinegar syndrome partner kind of thing mm-hmm. um the blu-ray is like it looked great i'm so excited to put the other disc in and see what's on there i haven't watched any of the uh the special features yeah. but um yeah, i want to uh, i definitely want to watch it again with commentary maybe that's how i'll watch the oh yeah the sov cut or the video cut yeah who did the commentary uh there's a partial commentary with the agfa folks okay. uh um joe and annie yeah um and i think there is a other cut with some people that were involved i can't remember specifically but not like the director or anything not the director but i think one of the stars maybe okay about like shooting the movie i think but anyway yeah so yeah i'll uh i'll have to check this out but i'm already thinking about a good joke if i don't like it and this is (laughs) yeah i'm gonna steal a board (laughs) <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i'm gonna steal a norm, norm mcdonald joke I'm, I'm gonna be like boarding house more like boring house <laughs> but who knows nice. we'll find out yeah <laughs> <laughs> so board, boarding house 1982 you gotta see it <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> i'll get what back, about you i'll get back to you about that one yeah uh, <laughs> um 
Yeah, in terms of like recommendations, uh, like like first off, I, this isn't a recommendation. This is just like a movie. I just want to talk to you a little bit about. Okay. Um, Confirmed recommendation. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, <laughs> it, but this is just kind of like a, a fascinating movie, maybe to talk about. I don't know if you've ever seen this one. Like, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about it. Okay. But have you ever seen Cool World? Yes. Okay. Um, when when it came out. So I saw Cool World in college because I was huh. uh, very obsessed with Ralph, Ralph Bakshi for a number of years. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, what did you think at the time of Cool World and compared to like a good Ralph Bakshi movie? Yeah, so at the time I thought it was a really weird, failed, uh, botched film mm. that felt like it had... That, that I felt like it was trying to go for something and then it wasn't allowed to go there. Uh -huh. And then so it became this movie where like stuff is happening. And like my memory of the movie is just like a movie is happening. And then like these Bakshi animations will like run around. Yeah, on it screen, feels like two movies kinda, maybe. Yeah. And you're kind of like, where are these? Well, okay. There's crazy characters mm -hmm. around, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely, uh, it doesn't hang really like it, it's definitely a movie of two parts um so this is a movie cool world like obviously i've always been aware of this movie uh yeah. but i never managed to catch it like even though it like it came out prime carlo is watching every movie that comes out early to <laughs> mid 90s but yeah. somehow i don't think i've ever seen it um okay also like i'm not a huge ralph bakshi expert i've i've seen some of his stuff um like if, this is really weird maybe but my parents were very like liberal and they would like um allow me to be exposed to everything so as a young child i'd already seen like fritz the cat <laughs> uh maybe just like uh preparing me for that reference in the simpsons when yeah <laughs> what is it oh, I, I even forget what that episode is called but like when itchy and scratchy becomes like sort of fritz the cat fritz oh yeah cats, yeah Hey, baby, just give yeah. me a chance to get next to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I thought Cool World was fine. Um, like people really, for that movie, kind of blow it out of proportion how bad that is supposed to be. But it's still like, like if you look at it purely visually, whenever it's like a Bakshi animated movie, it's, it's fun to look at. Mm -hmm. um, but the human characters definitely suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, watching it more than anything, I was like, whoa, Brad Pitt is such a flatline in this movie. Yeah. I, I can't believe he ever recovered from doing that. But <laughs> yeah, obviously he's a great actor and that's why he recovered. But man, he is pretty stinky in Cool World. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'm not saying like Kim Basinger or Ga uh, Gabriel Byrne are great, but Brad Pitt is definitely like probably the worst part about that movie uh, other than the fact that that movie is like structurally kind of a mess and it's like um uh at one side it's like a, wanting to be a Ralph Bakshi movie but on the other side you feel like Kim Basinger and the producers um uh, yeah yeah but yeah I don't know <laughs> to me this, this also kind of just felt like a movie like uh just another case of like bad movie privilege where I'm like if you think this is as bad as it gets and yeah. you've had a very nice life uh, and yeah. you've never attended the crud body screening of like i don't know kiss meets <laughs> the phantom of the park yeah uh, so have, have you read about like like how he wanted to make it before it, it turned into what it turned into uh i've 
read some stuff about it, but not necessarily from Bakshi's point of view. I just know what kind of struggles were going on, and definitely what yeah. Kim Basinger signed on. It became this entire, uh, yeah, he, he just lost yeah. control of it. Because it was pitched as like, I want to make an animated horror movie. Oh, okay. And it was like about a cartoonist who becomes like similar to the movie. Like mm-hmm. He's in prison. He makes a car, a cartoon, he makes a comic and yeah. he becomes a star, goes on to have sex with like a with cartoon, cartoon but, yeah. then, but then fathers a half human, half cartoon kid oh. who grows up and like, like travels to the real world and is going to try and kill him because he's like a bad father for abandoning it. And like, that was the pitch to Paramount. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that, then that sounds way more interesting than what happens in the end. <laughs> yeah. And then what happens is eventually they were like, no, we want PG 13 and yeah, we want, we, you know, we want the cartoon character has to become Kim Basinger and that has to yeah. be the focus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, so pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like one of those movies that's uh, it's always been on my radar. I've always been like, at one point, I'll have to just see Cool World just to know uh, mm-hmm. why people are saying it's such a failure of a movie. And now I've seen yeah. it, and I'm like, it's fine. I can see where it's flawed and, um, you know, with the context of what happened. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, that's that's Cool World. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What uh? What else have you been watching? Yeah. Okay. So in in terms of stuff, um, I guess this is a recommendation because okay. this is uh like talking about vinegar syndrome stuff. We've mentioned um before that they were doing this movie called New York Ninja. They yeah. they they rescued this movie from not existing basically. Um, so yeah, they found, uh, the, the, the prints of this, but there is none of the original audio present or anything. So they had to make, um, basically redub it, uh, made a new score for it. Uh, had some people do that. And, um, a guy who basically is credited as the redirector. So it's been, been like redirected, I guess. Uh, but yeah, what, what took me by surprise about this one is, how they handled it. Uh, so I know a lot of people who were skeptical, thinking this was going to be some uh, what's up, Tiger Lily situation, turning yeah. it into a joke. Uh, and I can confirm that it's, it is not. It is definitely not that. It is all played 100% straight. Um, nice. Well, maybe not straight because the movie is like inherently a little goofy, but they're not doing anything that the movie isn't doing. Okay. Uh, which, is, which is cool. And... Um, but but that's also like maybe the most surprising thing about it. Uh, not that decision to let the movie be the movie, but the fact that, okay, so when you watch this movie, it'll seem like all the lines, the new lines that they wrote based on nothing seem to match up with the lips. And I, this is just, I don't know. I can't wrap my mind uh, around that. Like I said on a previous episode, that the thing I suspected might've happened was that they hired a, uh, a lip reader. But uh, then I believe like one of Vine- Vinegar's people replied to our tweet yeah. about that specific episode. They'd listened to it to say, no, we did not hire a lip reader. Um, <laughs> and, and now I'm just thinking like, if, if that's true, and I believe them, if they say that, then the person who wrote all those lines, they just missed their calling as a lip reader. 
Yeah. Because it's it's like suspiciously accurate just looking at it. And I'm sure like some words are kind of off, but to me, to my, I don't know, limited knowledge, like I'm not a lip reader or anything. It just looks so legit, which is kind of incredible. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, as for the movie itself, if you've seen a show Kosugi movie, like uh, Revenge of the Ninja, uh, Rage and Honor, um, mm-hmm. Oh, what's the other one? There's another one. There's like three big ones. Or there's also Pray for Death. You know, like Shoko Sugi. Uh, yeah. Two movies for... Was that for canon? I'm kind of second-guessing myself so. now. But, uh, you know, it's it's basically that kind of movie. Like, there's even a scene in uh, New York Ninja where you see like 42nd Street and all the venues. And there's a theater that's showing Ninja 3, the domination. Yeah. And like, this is like, I don't know. This is what you want to be. Uh, I don't think it's like as good as my favorite Shokosugi movies, but there's definitely some stuff in this movie that I'm, I'm glad this movie was rescued because there's some, there's some stuff in here, some yeah. interesting decisions. Uh, like I said, it, it's, it's not a, it's kind of, it's a little bit goofy, like inherently so, like not wanting to be jokey or not wanting to be a comedy, but you know, um, decisions were made and, yeah, choices were made. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like this this plot line all of a sudden out of nowhere that feels like it's lifted out of Repo Man. But I don't want to spoil that plot line because it's too good to just find out for yourself, mm. which I've, I've never seen in a movie like this. And I, uh, yeah, I definitely don't want to spoil that. Um, but on the flip side of that, like the action isn't great and it gets a little repetitive here and there. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I gave it a three stars, but I like it. And, and I'm definitely glad. I'm, I'm impressed by the work that Vinegar has done on this. Like I said, again, the fact that I could watch this movie as if it was released back in the 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously there's like uh, people voicing this. Don Wilson, Cynthia Rothrock, Linnea Quigley, Michael Berryman. Um, uh, it doesn't... Uh, I want to say like detract from the experience in the terms that you're, you're just, you kind of forget that it's them in a good yeah. way, you know? So that, that's also, yeah, you know, uh, in favor of the movie, I feel. So yeah, watch it. All right. Definitely yeah. stay, check out, watch out, uh, watch uh, New York Ninja and just be grateful that this now exists. It, it, it's, it's so wild, this whole project. Yeah. And it, it turned out for the best. Like the best thing uh, that could happen for this movie is happening now. Uh, and I'm so glad it didn't turn into a joke because <laughs> that would be definitely that could, that could have been the worst. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, New York Ninja mm. and boarding house and cool world yep all recommendations <laughs> <laughs> to various degrees sure <laughs> you, um, you got anything else to recommend like well actually here's <laughs> here's what i'm gonna say okay we, we are an hour and 10 minutes uh for the listeners if you're wondering i i would like to hear more talk about more movies mm. and more movies that they've been watching recently and and maybe even some of the uh movies that are going to be released on Blu-ray that we didn't get to in our news section, uh, cause we're going a little long. Mm. Y- you, you might, you might be able to do that. You can 
go to back-row.com and become a Patreon member. And we're going to start trying to have a little bit of an overflow episode once in a while on the back row Patreon. So we're going to wrap up here and then we'll uh, be over there talking about some more recommendations because Carlo and I, we watched a lot of movies and we have lots of stuff to talk about. Yep. yep, <laughs> For sure. Um, so we're going to keep talking, but you're not going to hear it unless you go to back-row.com <laughs> and uh, become a Patreon. Check and, it out. And yeah. So uh, while you go and do that, you can find us on the internet, backdashrow.com. You can find Carlo and I on Twitter and Letterboxd. That will be in the description for this podcast below with uh, lots of other information about the stuff we talked about today. Uh, but otherwise, we'll see you until next time. And stay cruddy. And see you later, alligator. <laughs>